everyone. I'm Marianne LaPere from the National Network for Equitable Library Service, and you're listening to the AT Banter Podcast. Hey, and welcome to a, another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter, not waiting. Hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minow, and joining me today, Mr. Impatient himself, Mr. Ryan Fleury. Hello, I'm Ryan Fleury. And, of course, we have Miss Liz Malone. The Surly American. Listen, I didn't say that on mic, but uh, now that you mention it, perhaps. But listen, I feel like every every quality show needs a surly American. Well, there you go. I'm your girl. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So how are you guys today? Great. Okay. Well, that's, that's <laughs> I love well. the lulls. That's the best part of the show. <laughs> that's great. Rather than our guest. But... Yeah. <laughs> right, our favorite part of the podcast is when nothing happens. That's right. Just dead air. Dead Play air. some music. Somebody say something. <laughs> Where's the DJ? We need a DJ. Um, I'm just allowed back because I got my microphone fixed. <laughs> I know it sounds great. So just to update uh, me, because I didn't, I wasn't privy to the entire conversation. Neither was the audience. But what did you get? Did you get a new mic, or did you you? repaired your old one what what exactly happened it, apparently my computer really did not like the usb to USB-C adapter oh i see not one bit oh, i see yeah and did you replace like was it a problem with the actual adapter like did you replace it and... it's actually a problem with the brand of adapter oh i see yeah 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 okay well well listen we are well all we're collectively breathing a sigh of relief. I, well, of, you know what? I live to make Ryan happy. And Ryan <laughs> was very disappointed with my audio quality. And then he said, eh, you sound better. So I said, you know what, Ryan? I'm not going to get a nose job. I can't change the timbre of my voice. So there's only so much I can do. I was so pissed off at your audio that I offered to buy and send you one. I think, you know what, I think I'm going to have to take singing lessons to really improve my voice even more because I really want Ryan to be content with well, the audio let, quality. Then let me send you a microphone. You and your damn shotgun <laughs> microphone, you know what you can go do with your microphone? I can't think of any body parts where one could shove one's microphone. <laughs> I see. I could, I, I, we should just spin off a, a podcast with you two. Just being called the passive aggressive podcast. We're just, we're just about subtext. Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. Love it. Uh, These are the banter bits. These are gold. Well, listen, I'm, I'm relieved that it's all worked out for the better. And just in time to, to do a little show here. Ryan. Yeah, Rob. Which, what the heck are we doing today? Today, we are speaking with entrepreneur and host of Mind Your Own Business, Kevin Shaw. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you for having me. You, thank you for being here. And yeah, sorry, sorry, uh, you've, you've, you've kind of, you've kind of come in at a, a clearly a sore point. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know the podcast was uh, going in this direction. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you just gotta, you just kind of gotta poke these two with sticks and just see what happens. And uh, <laughs> podcast gold, you're not going to see that stuff on Joe Rogan. That's right. Um, no, listen, we are super thrilled to have you on. Uh, I'm excited to talk all about the show because I've, I've watched some episodes. I'm, I'm really fascinated by it. Um, but maybe well, cool. before, yeah. And so be, but maybe before we do that, maybe if you could just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and uh, then we'll sort of dive into talking a little bit more about the show. Gosh. Um, okay. Hopefully this I doesn't, know, uh, you know, the 11th commandment, thou shalt not bore an audience. <laughs> um, so my, my, uh, my life has been pretty interesting. Um, uh, I actually grew up having low vision. Um, I was kind of a bit of a nerd in high school, but you know, I say um, too cool to be a nerd, but not nerdy enough to be cool. Um, and, 
you know, I, I was I was really into uh, stage crew and audiovisual crew and did a lot of music stuff and just loved the sort of the technical arts. And, and I eventually found myself at uh, what was then called Ryerson University in, in Toronto, Canada. Um, and I was there for radio and television arts. And I split my specialty between audio production and technical producing for TV and I had this and it ended this broadcast degree with like, what do I do with this broadcast degree? Uh, freelance for a while. I was a, I was an independent music producer, uh, freelance music producer. I used to, I used to DJ as well and did that for several years and then landed a full-time gig working in radio as, um, as a radio producer. I used to produce commercials and, um, you know, just, uh, just, Week in, week out, having to do, you know, commercials for Starfish Caribbean Market has the largest selection of fresh fish and groceries in the city. Check out this week's specials. You know, just just that shtick. And um, I worked in, in radio for about eight years and kind of concurrent to that, I was I went back to school, did a master's degree. Uh, I was one of the first to test sort of the accessible version of Pro Tools and um, wrote my my master's thesis about um, about how folks in in our community um, uh, accessed uh, recording technology and and you know by this point I'd um, uh, I'd lost my low vision I, I lost my low low vision around uh, age nineteen or so uh, and you know became like a full time screen reader user and you know that whole thing and. Um, Got out of school, was back working in radio, just trying to figure out, you know, what do I do with the rest of my life? And and I had this idea one day to launch a startup called Tell Me TV, uh, which was a, a site for described movies and TV shows, and uh, ran that for a while, um, folded that, and uh, was putting some energy into another startup. And uh, then I ended up working at CNIB for a couple of years, running a national entrepreneurship program and just flying across the country and um, talking to entrepreneurs, doing just all kinds of amazing things, you know, DJs and guys who had their PhD in math and was like, hey, I wrote software for like the Canadian military and, uh, you know, bakers and and uh, jewelry makers and, you know, all, all, all manner of, of folks with sight loss across the country. Uh, and then I was, <laughs> I had lunch with, um, one of the execs at, at AMI and it's like, oh, we're you know looking at producing a show about entrepreneurship. Um, kind of filed that away and, uh, eventually lost my job at CNIB around the, around the pandemic and, um, was about to onboard my first two customers with my, my next startup and, um, you know, the pandemic hit and kind of shut everything down, um, did some freelance work in the accessibility space. And, and now I work for a bank doing uh, digital accessibility stuff. Um, and then <laughs> concurrent to all of that, because uh, all of that is not enough, um, uh, we started producing, we started producing the show, um, Mind Your Own Business, where you know, third season is now on the air and, uh, you know, that's, uh, now I'm doing the HT Banter podcast, so everything can go <laughs> all up from here, right? <laughs> Most definitely. It is all up from here. Explain to the audience a little bit, if they're, if they're not familiar with, with the show, if they haven't watched it, kind of what's the premise of the show? So we, we were wanting to get away from like, oh, here are a whole bunch of entrepreneurs and they're doing all this stuff that's really inspirational. So, um, it's, we we take an entrepreneur with a disability. We we meet them in the opening act. They tell their story in their own words, and uh, the camera follows them around, and we get to see them in their environment and interacting with, um, you know, maybe people they work with and customers and so forth. And um, and then they talk about something they need help with with their business. We come back in the second act with uh, a panel of mentors who work with the entrepreneurs and we give them a 60 day challenge. So is there something that you can do with your business in the next 60 days that is going to make a, a difference? And maybe it's something, you know, it's something as simple as getting another customer or getting someone to do your logo or uh, figuring out a new product offering. 
And then we go away for a couple of months and then we come back uh, through the magic of television, uh, you know, just after the, the commercial break in the third act. And we follow up and we say how things been going in the last 60 days or so. And the entrepreneur will tell us as to whether they've succeeded or whether they've uh, whether they've had struggle, which is kind of where the drama of the show comes in. And uh, and then I'll just wrap up and give a give a sort of a closing remark. I, I kind of have these puns that I use at the end of the show, um, and and that's the show. This must be really interesting for you because you know you've had so much uh, experience in that entrepreneur space. How much of yourself do you see in a lot of these people that are that are uh, coming on the show? Well, I say, you know, being an entrepreneur means that you're glutton for punishment because it's it's not easy. Um, we had a we had a guy on the first season who's um, there was a I guess a store in the little plaza where he was selling uh, you know t-shirts and hats and stuff, and that store caught fire, and all of his inventory got uh, smoke damage, um, and so. You know, what do you do? How do you recover from that? And, uh, you know, he, he just keeps going. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably, I probably see that part of myself in all of the entrepreneurs. It's like, you keep hearing no, no, no. And, and, uh, and you just keep going. Um, which is cool, uh, to, to see that in so many people because, um, nobody gets it right the first time. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, I wish I'd known, uh, a long time ago when it was when it was starting out as an entrepreneur is that you don't you don't have to get it right but you do have to get it done yeah and i feel like that's a very important part of being an entrepreneur is that you can't really be afraid to fail uh you know you you have to be okay with it especially you know you just have to go into things with the mindset of yeah this this may work or this may not if it doesn't work then i'm going to take the lessons that i learned from that failure and apply it to the the next idea yeah, and that's you know I learned that with my second startup, um, and you know I took lessons away from that too. But you're right, like you you do learn to fail and to fail. There's a saying within kind of tech entrepreneurship of like fail fast, figure out what went wrong. Yeah, you know, pick yourself up, uh, dust yourself off, and uh, and keep going because. You know, you don't have time to you don't have time to wallow. Like, you've got bills to pay, you've got expenses, you've got to pay staff, you've got to, um, you know, pay for things like, uh, you know, in the case of tech entrepreneurship, you've got to pay for servers, you've got to pay for overhead, you've got to pay for programmers, you've got to pay for marketing. So there's no real time to to kind of to wallow in self pity. Uh, you just got to keep going. Well, and I know that while I was watching the show, it, it kind of made me think that, you know, when when you add on that layer of, of disability and living with a disability, I think that, that that must sort of add a layer of complexity to entrepreneurship, but also sort of play in your favor because living with a disability, you're kind of living your day-to-day -day life improvising or, you know, coming up with solutions sure. yeah. to, to barriers um, that are put in your way all the time. And you must be able to sort of apply some of that to that that entrepreneurship. Yeah, there's certainly that that level of, well, I'm just I'm a born problem solver. And that's something that you know I think I've seen with all of the entrepreneurs is like, you know how to solve problems. You know how to take something that's not working. I always say people ask me, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? And I always say, um, find something that irritates you so much that you can't help but fix it yourself. <laughs> you know, and and it's uh, I I've seen that in all the entrepreneurs. It's like, well, you know, we just had um, uh, we just had my friend Jenna on uh, uh, this season, and Jenna uh, couldn't find any nut free desserts. She's got a a very bad nut allergy. It's just like well, why don't I just make nut-free desserts and sell them to people who are allergic to nuts? And, you know, in the course of, of doing this, she found out that she was, um, her company was the only other nut-free dessert place in all of Atlantic Canada. And uh, I knew her when I was working at CNIB and she was just starting out in her kitchen. And, and I remember, you know, telling my assistant at the time, I was like, 
she's she's going places and of course you know we meet up like five years later and now she's got like this mini uh not free empire going which is which is really amazing but you're right i think that there's a um there's that aspect of kind of being a born problem solver or learning to adapt really quickly that that translates into the entrepreneurship space and yeah i i I think makes our 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 entrepreneurs a lot more special than uh you know, somebody who's just out doing it for the money. Entrepreneurship, I think in general for anybody can be very intimidating, but I'm sure that for people with disabilities that already have a ton of barriers mm-hmm. you know, in society in front of them, it, it sometimes really must like sort of discourage them um, from taking that plunge. And that's why I think that the, the show is so important um, to get out there and to educate people and to just be like, hey, you know, get out there, take your shot. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that we're not focused on the disability and the show. These are entrepreneurs who have disabilities, not disabled entrepreneurs. And so what I hope people will take away from the show is that, hey, these are actual business problems that that our uh, folks on the show are trying to solve. And, you know, nobody's ever come onto the show saying, well, my disability is stopping me from doing X. It's always like, oh, I have trouble with staffing or I have trouble with marketing or can you help me with operations or or opening a, a web store? Um, you know, it's all very kind of, you know, from a business perspective, it's all sort of kind of boring business stuff. Um, I, I find it exciting. I hope other people do. But um no one's ever said, hey, my disability is stopping me from, uh, you know, getting investment or, uh, you know, people aren't buying from me because I'm disabled. Like nobody's saying that. Um, and so what I hope people will take away from the show is that that we're, we're out there solving problems um, that somebody who might not have a disability, you know, the same problems that, that those entrepreneurs are facing. Um, you know, if it was a radio show and we just had people come on and talk about their business and say, you know, here's the problem that I'm having, the listener wouldn't know any different. They'd, they'd say, oh, okay, well, you know, that person's having a, an issue with marketing. Do this. Um, and that's that's what I think is kind of the cool thing about the show. And, and we give them sort of a 60-day window to say, you know, we're not asking you to, you know, to cure cancer overnight. Um, but there's something that you can do in the next two months that is going to going to shift things for you. So it must be interesting too to to look back on, you know, three seasons now that you've done. Yeah. Are you kind of do you see kind of patterns in terms of where people generally come up against that wall? You're, you know, somewhat successful and and you sort of you have a process and you grow to a certain point and then you start to to plateau. You can't really go any further because of either infrastructure issues or production yeah. issues yeah. Is, is that kind of where you generally see people you know the the choke point for people or or what are some common issues that that sort of these starting entrepreneurs generally come up against i think it depends on like where they are in their business so some folks will come to us and say you know i've been running my business for you know a year or two or maybe a few few years and they encounter a different set of problems than somebody, let's say, who's starting out, uh, I don't know, and maybe they're six months into it. Um, in the case of somebody who's doing it for six months, it, it's, a, it's a bit different because they're still, they're still testing their product. They're still testing to see whether or not there's um, you know, a product market fit. Are customers actually interested in this? Are they getting the feedback to say, do this, do this, do this. You know, I, I like it when the product does this instead of this. Um, you know, I, I want it to squeak instead of to squawk. Um, and th- at that point, you're, you you have a startup. Uh, and, and the difference between a startup and a business is that with a startup, you're, you're constantly iterating. And for the, for the folks who are coming to us in their kind of early stage, the problem is how do we get this to the point where we actually have a sustainable product that we can repeat uh, repeat the sales formula over and over and over again and and take it to scale? Um, and 
you know, some folks are just still figuring that out. Maybe it's a branding problem. Maybe people don't like the packaging. Maybe people don't like, uh, uh, you know, your slogan or your logo. Uh, and, and we can work on, on those things for, for folks that are further along and they have scaled and, um, you know, I'm thinking of chef Aleem who had the, uh, the, the fried chicken restaurant last season, you know, he's got lineups at the door. So he's at the, he's at the point where he can replicate that kind of a business model somewhere else. But now it's a completely different set of problems where he's got to ask like, how do I scale? How do I repeat this formula times 20? So I've got 20 locations that are doing the exact same thing. And that's a bit different. That's a little bit more operational that, that has to do with, um, you know, that'll have to do with like cash and, and, uh, how are you, how are you going to, um, you know, leverage your cost structure so that, uh, you're, you're getting volume discounts on your ingredients and, and, um, you know, doing, doing all of the leasing and, and, you know, looking at rent and all that stuff. So it's a little bit different depending on where they are in terms of their, like where they are in the business their business. Entrepreneurs are also very um, infamous for taking on everything themselves. I mean, and initially, you know, when, when you when you are part of a startup, that's generally yeah. the, the situation that you find yourself in. You're the marketer, sure. you're, oh, sure. you're the yeah. accountant, you're, you know, you're sort of doing everything. Do you find that that's um, a bit of a an, an issue with them as well? Like you've kind of got to be like, you know, you just, you need to start offloading some of these things to other people. You need, you need to bring in a team. Yeah. More, more often than not, uh, you know, especially with, well, I don't think it, I don't think it really changes. I mean, I, I know a lot of, um, I'd say most of the entrepreneurs, depending on, on where they are with their business, um, they, they run into this problem where it's like, well, I've got a, you know, I'm really good at doing the thing that I'm good at, which is making the making the chicken or making the pies or making the jewelry or whatever it is. And they have to learn like the accounting and the, you know, the upkeep of the website and so forth. And yeah, I'd say that's pretty common. Um, where where folks want to have as much control as possible and you know, it's it's kind of hard for for them to bring folks along because they've got a communicative vision and they've got a, you know, they've got a brand to maintain, especially if they're they're a lot further along, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we we're always advising, you know, hey, get a summer student, get a you know, get an intern, get somebody who can help with some of that day to day kind of mundane stuff, so that you can just focus on on your business. Um, and that's, that's often harder. Like I've been there before and it's, it's really hard to sort of put trust in, in folks who are, who are, uh, you know, who have your baby, right? Yeah. Well, and plus it's, you know, it's scary. I'm sure from an overhead point of view, you know, when all of a sudden you're, you're, you're doubling the amount of money that you're, you're putting out every month when you hire somebody or you, you do, you do offload some of that, you know, yeah. you, you kind of got to make sure that, that that's going to result in, you know, increased profit for sure. So I can be, I, I can understand how that's a hard thing to well, pull the trigger the, on. The cost effective way to do it now is to, is just contract when you're starting out. And, yeah. and there's so many services that, you know, there's Fiverr and there's Upwork and, uh, you know, these kinds of sites where you can go and get, um, you know, somebody to, to, you know, the gig economy, right? So somebody gets a gig and, you know, they do your logo and your website and your design work and, and so forth. And, and then, they're not on staff. You've just given them a small fee and, uh, you know, you've got all that stuff done. Um, you know, you hire somebody else to do your packaging design and then you're finished with them and, and then you can move on. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of a lean way to do it now. Um, you know, it sucks that you're not hiring people full time and making jobs and stuff and that we've got the gig economy, but until you're at that point where you, where you can scale and, and have, you know, a st uh, an office full of staff who are, you know, coming in and throwing footballs at each other and creating that company culture. Uh, yeah. Contracting is contracting is kind of where things start out. I no, I just want to add a little of my two cents in about the whole gig economy and trying to get help with a um, with a 
entrepreneurial type of business. I mean, I'm I I'm in that boat myself. I have my own my own business. Oh, that's And cool. so so I've used some Fiverr. I've also um hired contract workers um to come and and partner with me as um as an assistant. And I, I'll I'll just tell you the hardest part, like you said, is surrendering some of that workload because you sort of you do have that vision you get locked into this is the way it it it's always been done this is the way that what you're most comfortable with and it, when you're having someone execute your your workload in the gig economy the hardest part especially like when you're using something like fiverr or upwork is Sure. that you have very little control there's so little interaction because everything is just digitized. You can't get on the phone with them. You can't ever look over their shoulder. Yeah. And so sometimes I have found that with that, you have to kind of take, you have to be prepared for it not to work. You can't put all of your eggs into the, into, into that basket just because of the fact that sometimes you pay for it and then you get something back and this is not even anywhere near what you wanted. And then they've already started the, started the project. So it's, it's, It's sort of like that 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 weird space of, you know, surrendering, putting a leap of faith, but also trying to find that right formula, because I don't think everything that you need done can necessarily be contracted out, um, especially in that manner. And that whole It's certainly learning. not everything. I, I think that I think the the flaw with with a site like Fiverr is that, you know, you go on there and it's like, oh, I need some animation done for my website or I need some some logo design done. What they end up doing is, you know, you you see all these people that are from all over the world, and I'm 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 just you know boggles my mind as to why Fiverr can't geogate you know geofence you to like, hey, there are like. 12 people in your in your town or your city who offer these these services. And at that point, it's like, oh, okay, well, you live near me. All right, I'll meet you at the Starbucks here and here. And, you know, let's let's pull out our laptops and work on this together. Um, you know, it's not always ideal to send your stuff to the other side of the world and have them work on it. I think it would just be cool if if you could get somebody who is local to you, um, who who's willing to, you know, just get together with you at the library or Starbucks or whatever and and work with you on this and in real time. And then you can walk away and go, hey, I got exactly what I wanted because this person was actually local to me. Well, the other downside too to Fiverr and Upwork, and I've looked at them as well for doing audio description, is you can spend hours digging through the different Oh, contracts sure. that are available. And it can be a real time sink too, right? So is it really that efficient in the long run? It might be for some people, but I think it just really depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, I think I think the you know the danger with with these kinds of things is like you you really have to find somebody who who gets you. And I think if if Fiverr were were geofenced or you could just sort of pick and choose and say, "Look, I you know, people here understand the you know, the nuances of um, you know, maybe maybe they have to understand kind of the nuances of you know, culture, or they've got to understand the nuances of your brand or, you know, your particular industry that, that might not translate as well to another part of the world. Right. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's probably where Fiverr should go next. And, and yeah, but you're right. It is, it can be a time suck. See, I smell a new startup idea right here. Like we're, we've just, There we've you go. just, we've just identified a, a need. We, okay, here. Okay. I'm just pitching. I'm just pitching to the room. We, we combine Fiverr and Tinder and, and yeah, we just, it's, it's a swipe right or swipe left and we just match people that way. <laughs> Yeah, based no, on it's, location. no, Yeah. it's, Based on no, location. it's, Exactly. no, it's, it's more like combining Fiverr and Rover. Do you guys have Rover by you? I don't, I don't know. Anywhere I have in Canada? no idea. What's Oh, Rover? it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a pet sitting and Oh, okay. dog care or, or a, a new pet, pet care service. So that, you know, you have to do it through the app because obviously they want to get, they need to get 
their money. But right. you know what? And, and this is where they lose their money afterwards, is, which is probably what Fiverr and, and Upwork would be worried about is that once you get to know the person, you're like, listen, let's get off a rover yeah. and I'll just start paying you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, cut yeah. and cut them out. So, that, and that's probably one of the reasons why they, they're like, okay, Hey, this, 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 uh, this, this, uh, this jerk off Rob, we're going to, he's all the way over here. We're going to set him up with this person all the way over here. There's no <laughs> way they're going to make friends. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> well, we'll workshop this. I feel like we're onto something. Of course, now we've just released yeah. this to the world. Uh, so now everyone's going to someone, someone out there is working on that. Yeah. But I mean, so, okay. So talk to me then about, about, you know, your past as an entrepreneur. Do, I don't know. Do you wake up at like three o'clock in the morning and bolt upright out of bed and be like, oh my God, I just had the most amazing idea for, 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 for a company. I, I always think those lightning bolt moments are, are sort of few and far between, but I, I, I do get thoughts of like, Hey, you know, if, if I could only do this, um, I started really entrepreneuring, if that's a word as a DJ, um, you know, back when I was, uh, just out of high school and, um, you know, looking to pay my way through school, I, I taught myself how to, how to DJ and, um, you know, I used to do like weddings and parties and, and that kind of thing. Um, and I started to approach it like a business, right? Like you get paid so much for a gig and then you've got to spend so much on music and, um, you know, paying people to help you and getting the gear there and all that stuff. Um, but you know, my first company, which was tell me TV, um, that idea came to me out of the blue. Um, I don't know if I, maybe I told the story on the, on the podcast before, but, um, you know, I was home alone. Um, and wanted to watch a movie on on DVD and realized I had a, a shelf full of them uh, that were still in shrink wrap on my shelf. And you know, I asked myself, well, why did I spend all that money you know, buying these things if uh, I haven't watched them? And I realized that it was trepidation and, and some frustration with like, well, I'm going to have to put it in the DVD player and like go through the menu to find the audio description track. Like, there's got to be an easier way to do this. And, um, you know, I went online looking for describe video. This is years ago and, uh, I couldn't find any. And that's when the idea came to me of like build a Netflix for the blind. Brings up an, an, you know, whole interesting series of questions. I mean, what do you, what do you sort of tell people who, who do have ideas? Because it seems to me that you can have an idea like we, and trust me on this show, we have, yeah. We have no, all the time we come up with like you know, sure. million dollar ideas that uh, we have no idea how to pull the trigger on and we just end up <laughs> talking about, but, but no, but that's it. But seriously though, like, because I'm sure that a lot of people have these ideas, but then they're just like, they don't really necessarily know how to take that forward or whether to take it forward. Because I also feel like entrepreneurship, you have to be in a very special place and have a very special mindset in order to, you know, really go forward with an idea and, and make, make that idea successful. What's your sort of general advice to sort of fledgling entrepreneurs that, that might be interested in, in pulling the trigger on something? Well, you know, there's something that I wish I'd known earlier on in my entrepreneurial journey, which is you have to start, I don't know if this term will translate, but you gotta, you, you gotta start ghetto. Um, you know, your, your version one or your, what we call the MVP, the minimum viable product is just that it's minimal and, and it's something that works. Um, it doesn't matter if it's held together with duct tape and chewing gum and a shoelace, um, take it around, find out if people, if this solves a problem, find out if this scratches an itch for people, do you have this ish and then, and then collect that data, um, you know, yeah, and even if it's your friends and you're starting with friends and family, like, hey, would you would you get this? Would you buy this? Um, and you're getting more yeses than no, then you know, charge for your your bubblegum and, and shoelace product. Um, and just say, look, you're you're gonna get the next version of this and and start to iterate on it. And you know, the next version of that's gonna be better, the version after that's gonna be better. Um and, you know, million dollar companies are not born overnight. It, it takes time and 
you've got to start out with you've got to start out with something and and you know having gone through the process and now reflecting on this um you know i want to tell me tv to you know to launch with um you know hollywood movies and tv shows because that's the you know that's the draw right um people want to sign up for netflix to watch you know major motion pictures and and tv shows so that they can be included in water cooler conversation and all the rest of it um you know and i, and I really should have started out with kind of indie sort of art films that have been done here in canada with the national film board and you know just kind of you know janky sort of independent uh independent films and and student films and so forth and and things that that were already described and and already out there right um even if it was just five people subscribed um you know, at least we could show that we've got five people and, you know, created a story around getting, getting folks on board and, and snowballing up to the point where we could have those, those major Hollywood blockbusters, but, you know, the market matured around us as well. So that was something that, um, that was something that, uh, kind of affected the, the trajectory of tell me TV. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I mean, you know, looking back on it, I'm sure you're like, you're absolutely right. I mean, there was there was clearly a demand for that. Clearly, um, it's just you know the way the rest <laughs> of the market responded, or, like you said, around it. But I mean, you were right. That's that's the thing that must drive you crazy. It's like, man, I was right. Maybe yeah. it was in the right time. Just didn't make yeah. quite the right moves. It could have gone completely. You know, there's some alternate universe where you know you're sitting atop uh, an entire you know bank vault full of money. Uh, sure. Doing the yeah. Scrooge McDuck money dive. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, you know, my bio says that I'm really good at building ahead of their time experiences, and and um, you know, we were doing we were doing stuff and and building out um, you know a fully functional video on demand service with um, you know an app and a, and a website and um, you know stuff that could actually stream to your TV, and you know this wasn't some you know, this wasn't some, not to throw shade at, at anybody who, who was involved with this, but, you know, not some website that was just doing, uh, you know, audio only, uh, uh, you know, descriptive movies and, and TV shows. Like you could actually watch this with somebody else in the house and, and so forth. And, um, we worked with a great company out of, out in LA called, uh, uh, blue, uh, blue digital. And, um, you know, they, they built this, uh, they built this platform for us. Um, and then I can't remember who it was. It was, I think it was Netflix that came out first and said that they were doing, uh, described movies and, and TV shows on, on their service. And then, uh, you know, iTunes started doing it and then you now Amazon prime does it and Hulu does it. And, you know, everybody, every, like who isn't doing described video now is, is the question. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of cool to be the, you know, the trailblazer and, and you know, be ahead of everyone else in doing this. But, you know, at the same time, um, you know, I kind of wish that uh, that things had gone a little bit differently. But, you know, kind of happy with, with where things are at right now. And yeah. who knows what the next uh, what the next million dollar idea will be. Yeah, exactly. Well, honestly, it happens to everybody. It happens to the big boys, too. Like, look at sure. look at something like um, Google Glass. Um, you know, they, they came up with that way before it's time um and yep. it just you know it went nowhere but it because it was just yeah it, it was well, the, it the, the joke is that the joke is that google glass is not a wearable it's a prophylactic <laughs> that's true very true but but you know and here we are you know with with um the vision pro um you know being released sure. and yeah. you know, to to much to much celebration you know whether or not that's a little bit ahead of its time too a uh, time will tell I think it, so, I think it is. I think I think that's the 1984 Macintosh, right? Yeah, I, I I'm kind of with you on that one. I, I don't know how well that's going to land in the mainstream. It probably won't at first. It'll it'll take it'll take a few iterations for it to get to be something that that people are actually going to wear. Because uh, right. right now you basically, you know, you've got to wear a like a battery pack with this thing, and there's a cable yep. that goes up to it. Like it's you know it's still kind of junky. Um, yeah. You know, and it's not very comfortable, but, you know, as we said, like, now we've got the Apple Watch. And, uh, you know, before it was, uh, before that, it was, uh, you know, a giant phone that people were walking around yep. with. And now we've got a computer in our, wa in our watches, yep. so. 
Yep. Yeah. And I remember having conversations about the Apple Watch being like, this isn't going to go anywhere. Like, <laughs> it's just not going to work. I mean, no one's going to want to wear a watch. You know, and I guess that's the difference between, you know, entrepreneurship and, you know, the big tech companies, because the big tech companies can take a shot and have it fail. And they're just like, okay, well, we'll just go back to the drawing board. I mean, Google is infamous for that. Like, they'll try anything and then just pull the plug on it a year later. Uh, they don't care. So, Which is cool. Like, like, you know, there, there's a, a branch of entrepreneurship called intrapreneurship, where you're in a company and you're you're thinking entrepreneurially about, you know, what can we go out there and build? And, you know, good for Google. Like, they're just throwing everything at the wall and we're going to see what sticks. Um, you know, one of the earlier examples of this was Sony. And Sony released a Walkman every week when the Walkman was really popular. They said, we're just going to make Walkmans, we're going to make a different design every week, and then we're just going to let the consumer decide which one they'll buy. Right. And, um, you know, they, they just found features that consumers liked and found the ones that they didn't, and then they they, they dominated the market that way. I guess the, the benefit that the rest of us can have is, you know, we can just watch what, what works for them and what fails and, you know, and, and try to learn from their mistakes as well. The problem that sucks, though, is, you know, you, you try to dive into a certain pool, right? So HD, DVD, and Blu-ray, right? So you sure. pick a format and then you lose. And you're just like, ah, like, and, and it's a problem with Google, right? You, you get into their ecosystem and then they pull the plug and that product's no longer available. Well, now what do I do with these seven devices in my home, right? right. So it's you have to kind of go in knowing that at any point in time this could end it's yeah true. and and everybody's about you know it's not about the product anymore it's about the ecosystem and so mm. you know if you've got like nobody's got half samsung and google and apple stuff in their house <laughs> it's it's like well all the apple stuff works with each other so i'm just gonna use apple stuff or all the android stuff works together so i'm just gonna use android and google um you know we're at that point now and and um tech is really interesting because there's only one of everything and and you know i'd say okay if i if i tell you to think of ride a ride sharing company what comes to mind first uber what comes to mind for uh, movies and tv shows netflix what about search google see you didn't say <laughs> lyft you didn't say amazon prime right you didn't say, you know, you didn't say uh, duck, duck, go. Yep. Um, and so there's there's only space for one in tech. <laughs> but it's that way in, in a lot of different things, too. You know, you, you think of food, right? You think of mm -hmm. cookies. You probably think Oreo. Like yeah. there's a lot of, you know, you think of potato chips. It might be Lay's. It's, it's the sure. marketing, right? It's, it's the go-to product that's been shoved in your face over and over and over again. You know, you think it's soup, you think Campbell's, yeah. right? It, it, it's tr it, it transfers over into different markets. Yeah. And I mean, you could argue and say that these brands have made an emotional connection. Um, you know, Campbell's is, is, makes an emotional connection because, you know, you had it when you were sick. <laughs> so that you know that that makes you think of like home and and right. you know mom and apple pie and and uh you know being taken care of um you know oreos are, are probably attached to something you know sure. childhood and, and so forth um i don't know if you can say the same thing about uber like do you have an, an emotional connection to uber probably not but right it dominates the, uh, you know, it certainly dominates the ride sharing space and is the first thing you think of. For sure. But also, I mean, tech is also a lot more fickle. Uh, yeah. I mean, enjoy being at the top <laughs> of the heap for now, Uber, but you really, <laughs> right? Things can change real quick in the, in the tech sector for sure. Look at MySpace. My, that's right. MySpace used to be the king of the mountain. We all had, we all had MySpace pages. Yeah. Um, and here we are, like, now you, you say MySpace to somebody who's 23 and they're, they'll be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Oh, what is that? You know, the, the shine can come off things. You know, I think we're starting to see that with, say, Netflix, um, you know, with, with a bunch of different, um, you know, streaming services coming in uh, with that competition. All it really takes is somebody to come in with something that that scratches a different itch or, you know, does things a little bit better. And yeah. you know, 
that landscape can can change real quick. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Yahoo was king of search for yeah. for a long time in the in the early days of the internet, and all of a sudden we got this page with like twenty links on it and a search field, and and that was Google. Like there was yeah. nothing fancy about it, and it worked. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, well now I've got to use Google. Um, it was really interesting yesterday. Um, yesterday was my birthday, and I noticed on Facebook um, that like if I take in uh, a screenshot of my birthdays going back uh, over over the years, like the number of people who engaged and like left birthday messages was way higher, like maybe ten years ago, uh, maybe fifteen years ago. Like Facebook has been around that long, mm-hmm. um, and and then now, like today, this year, um, you know, it's barely like twenty people, but Facebook's Facebook's target demo now is senior citizens. They're all on Facebook. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example. Um, You know, the shifting demographics of of social media and how fickle Mm -hmm. people are there and what attracts what demographic. Yeah. Yeah. People definitely outgrow platforms these days way faster, I think. Um, And I think that 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 really plays into into tech for sure. So in sort of relation to, say, tech and, and these, you know, the, the shifting, I guess, technologies, how have you seen that play into entrepreneurship? Are entrepreneurs more prevalent these days because of things like Fiverr, because of things like Facebook Marketplace, Etsy? Like it's, it's a little bit easier for people to say, you know, start a business. I think what's really interesting I mean, the fact that you mentioned Etsy, it's so easy now for, I think it's so easy now to get lost in these kinds of spaces. Like, you know, the last time I checked that Etsy had like 2.1 million sellers on it. And how do you carve out a space for yourself there? Um, Obviously, TikTok has has blown up in the past few years. Um, Instagram with with uh, Instagram Reels, like before. Let's say let's say it was ten years ago, uh, and you wanted to go out and start a, a company, and you wanted to sell, you know, some kind of product online. Um, you know, maybe you made really great scarves or you know mitts or something, and um, your your path to that was, well, I'm going to go out and get a website, um, maybe through Shopify, because that was around then. Um, and so it's all turnkey, and you basically just plug your product in and start selling. Uh, and I'm going to buy a domain name, and people are going to come to my site and and buy my product. Now it's, I'm on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, and I now make a video saying, well, here's why you should buy my, my, my mitts. You know, they've been researched and they're, you know, good down to minus 30 degrees and on and on and on. And the selling link is right there on the actual social media site. So you don't even need a website now. Um, And those orders come in and it's very easy to turn on to say, well, now this is, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm just selling through Instagram and I'm selling through Facebook and I'm selling through TikTok. That's where today's kind of 25 to sort of 49, like that age demographic is going. They're not going to your, uh, you know, supercoolmits.com website to go and look up your product. Um, some of the videos might send you there for uh, for those kinds of things, but... But for the most part, uh, that shift is happening now where you're just selling right through social media. Yeah. And I suppose that that's, you know, that's okay to take, to take something to a, to a point. You can have a, a degree sure. of success like that. Yeah. But then again, I think that your most entrepreneurs probably are then faced with this thing of, well, how do I go further? How do I push through? And because, you know, the next step of that is, is developing, you know, developing a brand, building a website and actually you know, having your own platform that that people would go to. So I guess there, I mean, really, I guess what I hear what you're saying is that, you know, there there are kind of stages to this. Yeah. Um, you know, and the fact that we've got things like Shopify and, and you know, some of these other sort of turnkey uh, 
uh, places where you like I, I think Squarespace does it now too, where you you can basically just buy a site that's that's a shop that's ready to go, and you just put your products and your pictures in there, and and you're done. Um, you know, and they've even got uh, like Google Pay, Apple Pay integration, PayPal. All that stuff is set. Like you don't have to build any of that stuff from scratch now. Um, so even if you are selling on a separate uh, standalone website, your um, you know the 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 amount of uh, overhead that you have is is actually quite low, and it's actually really easy to start up now. I don't know if that was the case maybe 15 years ago. Um, you know, today it, it's it's certainly a lot easier, and and with things like TikTok and and Instagram Reels and so forth, that's a great way to test your your ideas. Um, you know, because that that format feeds back on itself, and so let's say somebody goes to your your uh, Instagram page and they buy your product and they do an Instagram Reel or a TikTok saying. You know, I bought this product and it was okay, but here are the things, you know, like here are the three things I would change. Now you've got that feedback and now you can go and do version two um, and and iterate that way. I don't think you get that type of feedback as, uh, you know, the same way that you would with a standalone website. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's like a free focus group. Basically, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like focus group and marketing all in one. It's great. We want to thank you so much for coming on and chatting. I feel like we could probably talk for another hour. Uh, this was and, fun. And probably have another like $3 million ideas. But uh, where, tell us where can people find the show? Because I, I highly recommend the show to people, uh, especially if they have any sort of interest in entrepreneurship. It's, it's really fascinating to watch. But even if you mm. don't, it's just, it's just great. It's great to, to see what other people are up to and, and how they're succeeding. Um, where, where can people find the show? So, you know, it's kind of cool for me because I, I get to combine my broadcast background and entrepreneurship. Um, you can find the show at amiplus.ca uh, to watch it online. It's on AMI-TV uh, Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock on, on uh, digital cable TV if you've got that. Um, if you haven't got the cord, well, it's on basic cable, so you should still, you should still be able to get it. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I I know some of the episodes have made it up to Facebook and YouTube and stuff. So, um, amiplus.ca is probably the best place to to start. And uh, I think I've linked to it through my website. Uh, so, if anybody wants to go and learn more about me, um, kevin-shaw.com. Excellent. And um, are, is season four in the works? Season four is in the works. Um, I just got notified about a week and a half ago that that season four is a go. And uh, uh, as part of that, um, we'll be doing a live to live to tape special in front of an audience with um, some of the entrepreneurs from previous seasons to to see where their businesses are at right now, um, which is kind of cool. We get to do a little bit of follow up. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That is cool. Well, thanks again, Kevin. And uh, it was a great to revisit with you. And uh, please feel free to come back anytime. And happy birthday. And happy, <laughs> Thank happy you. Belated birthday. Yeah. Since no one's talking to you on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's do it again. Sounds good. Yay. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Kevin. Great talking Cheers. with you. Great speaking with you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Trying to think of a name of our new startup. Let's combine uh, Fiverr with Tinder. What was that? What was that? Finder? Finder. <laughs> Finder. Fiverr. <laughs> well, we just rip off Fiverr. <laughs> Fiverr or, or, or a Tinver. Tinver. <laughs> like well, I think Fiverr. Fiverr yeah. with two Vs. <laughs> or, two, or three Rs, because they've got two Rs now, I think it is. So yeah, we'll right. just add a third R. Man. Or so Upwork with a, a second P. No, seriously, next time we have a million-dollar idea, I think we just we need to reach out to Kevin and he can get us started. I think that's the problem. We just, we just we're, we lack the, the trigger-pulling ability. We, we're the idea people. We got well, no follow-through. Yeah. Well, exactly. there's that. But, you know, like <laughs> I have an idea for a product, and we've spoken to Neil Squire about this product, right. and I should probably follow up with him. But, you know, one of the issues I have is how do you – where do you start – 
yeah. you know, like I, I, I've got this idea. So now who do I go to, to figure out what the next step is? Cause I'm going to need parts. I'm going to need a mold made. I'm going to need electro, a, a motherboard type thing in this thing for it to work. You know, like, how do you get started? What yeah. is that first step? I've got the idea. Now what? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, that's where I get, you know, locked up too. You know, and I think that, you know, Kevin mentioned something early on that I think that is important to keep in mind too, is that I think whatever you end up going into, it's not just enough to have an idea. I think you have to also be passionate about it. You have to, mm -hmm. it has to be something, it has to be something that's important to you or that you're really good at, that you really enjoy. Because I think that, you know, if you just go into something where it's like, well, I had this, this crazy idea and because you know, entrepreneurship, you know, that's your life. Like it's, it's so much work. Um, yeah. And, and for, you know, for me, this product would, would not, you know, make me a ton of money and able to retire, but this is a product I would use every day. Oh, interesting. And with the number of musicians around the world, I'm sure they would use it frequently as well, oh, depending on the functionality, the usability, the ease of use, right? Like it, it would be used. Hmm. But it's it's who do you talk to? Like what are what are my next steps? I think you go on mind your own business. Well, I don't have a business it. yet. Well, right. I gotta I gotta get some pieces in place, and like I said, I, I'm gonna need a mole. I'm gonna need a prototype made, hmm. right? So how do I get that prototype made? Who do I talk to? I think I think email Kevin. <laughs> well that or i go back to neil squire saying help me please yeah, maybe. yeah but they'll want to cut well no, okay. that's fine mm -hmm. yeah. okay well we'll talk about this <laughs> get in on this action <laughs> need a new pair of shoes <laughs> oh but that was fun that was uh yeah. And it's a great show. I, I recommend it. Liz, you should go on Mind Your Own Business. It um, might be only Canadian content though, Rob. Oh yeah, that's right. It's probably only Canadian content. Oh man, we see we need to get you dual citizenship somewhere. Maybe if we get you a fake passport. I could be what? you know what? I would be the kind of person who would would sort of be a like sort of talking about sort of what I did or what worked for me or what didn't work for me, or as a marketing person to kind of chime in and just be like, here's what the surly American thinks about your stupid <laughs> marketing plan. Well, didn't a few shows ago, you guys talk about like being a, a couple technically, so she would get her dual citizenship. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's good, still, good, a, good, yeah, good. that's still, yeah. That's we, good. we, we, awesome. we gotta, we gotta, you know, I have to like fake heat up his Chef Boyardee dinners <laughs> and you know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true we could work on that too yeah so yeah, we can get you on we'll get you on mind your own business we gotta we have to we have to practice i need a lot of practice time on that like to say his name without without the disdain in my voice right <laughs> well no we say we've been married for a while yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> it comes around we're past the honeymoon phase yeah, that's a, when's, the, when's the last time you were intimate oh god like when did we get married yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we exactly. We'd actually this is, actually this, this is so appropriate like for Valentine's Day that here we are like, eh, gross. Here we go. Perfect. Actually they'd, we'd sound very authentic, actually. We probably like, oh my god, how could, they couldn't fake that it's, if they tried. Yeah, that's right. This big stamp or stamp of approval. Yeah, clearly yeah. yeah, they're the real deal. They're not even pretending they to make eye, eyes at each other. Like, oh, right. yeah, they're so real. Right. I guess that's it. Let's let's wrap this up. Hi, what do you say? Let's do it. All right. Uh, hey, Liz. Hi. Rob, you dear <laughs> honey, sweetheart. Uh, he's trying. He's trying. Cupcake. Uh, tell the fine folks at home where people can find us. Why, of course, pickle toes. <laughs> yeah, we can be found at eight. Atbadger.com. <laughs> you can also uh, drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell 
at atbanter.com. And they can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon. And soon, coming soon, a new platform. Uh, hey, that's going to about do it for us this week, I think. Uh, big thanks, of course, to Kevin for joining us. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions, as well as physical access solutions and augmentative communication aids across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com, or if you're in the Vancouver Lower Mainland, visit our storefront at number 106-828 West 8th Avenue in Vancouver. That's one block off Broadway at Willow. You can reach us by phone toll-free at 1-844-795-8324 or by email at sales at canastech.com.